What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Backup Fantasy Sports. It is one month until preseason testing for the 2024 Formula One season. So I had to get a special guest on, Adam, F1 Fantasy HQ. How's it going? I'm doing well, thanks. And thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited. We've got one month left until we have drivers back on track, but just a few weeks away from livery reveals and drive to survive. So this last stretch will be a lot easier than the first half of the offseason. I know. I don't know what Drive to Survive is going to do next season without a certain Haas uh, TD there, but we will find out as the season moves along but i just kind of want to give you a chance here adam let us know what you are up to in the f1 fantasy space thanks so i started my website f1fantasyhq.com last season to share tips to building a winning lineup every week and my little site had over a hundred thousand visits in its first year so i'm really grateful to the fantasy community and, and how they embraced me in my first year and then yeah, it was super impressive to see you guys grow. Like I was always reading, like as soon as the article came on, I think it was on Reddit where I first saw it. I was like, oh, I, I got to check this out because it's been super helpful every week. So great job there. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really glad it's picking up. And, you know, after a few months of, of writing, I was approached by FanAmp to start this show called the fantasy formula where they paired me with rob who's one of the established really great content creators in the fantasy space he has f1 fantasy hub which is a great youtube channel and social media platform and so we have a weekly race review and preview in the middle of every week and then one hour before every qualifying we have a live show and that's been probably our biggest draw so far we'll talk about free practice we get into our lineups and then we review our viewers lineups live on the air. And then we finish every live show with a giveaway with some cool prizes. So that's been a, another really fun challenge for us as we ramp up our content. The The one question I did have about your deadline show is I, I don't do a deadline stream. I'm already so stressed out making my own lineups. How do you guys handle like kind of looking through Twitter, looking at what's coming on? Like, how do you do that and do a show at the same time? That must be kind of stressful. So on the one hand, it depends on what time qualifying is. Sometimes if it's later in the afternoon or in the the early evening or in the middle of the night, it allows us to take some time when we don't have other commitments to family or work to really look through everything. Sometimes if we're under a pinch, what we'll do is because there's two of us on the show and then Terry from F1 Coffee Corner joins us every week too, we'll take turns presenting while the others are checking in on the latest news, making sure we have any sound bites from drivers, just catching that that last bit of activity so we can, when we come back in, we're prepared for it. So it's one part preparing and then one part just teamwork and moving on the fly. That is awesome. And as you can see here, you've had some pretty impressive finishes the last two years. So yeah, what's your it's, what's your goal for 2024? So far, it's been working pretty well. And with the growth of the game, my teams have finished in the top 0.1% in the world the last two years. So it, it's really given credibility to some of the content that I put out. This year, again, just looking to have a nice clean season. I find that if you stick with it the whole year, you use the chips wisely and you're just consistent and we'll have some some tips and tricks later in the show i think it's the key to having a really good season and in 2023 i had a really bad outcome from my limitless chip and still finished as high as i did so it goes to show you that 
Not everyone can have a perfect week every week. And also, even if you have that stumble, you can still have a great season. Yes. Were you a victim of the Coda limitless chip debacle? I was. I was. I had Lewis, Charles, and the Mercedes Constructor go down on the DQ. So they posted the scores, the initial scores, and I absolutely crushed. And I was in the top 1,000 this trajectory to be having a really good season. And then a few hours later, I started getting the text of, uh-oh, you should you should go back on social media and see what's what's unfolding here. And yes, unfortunately, it ended up being a, a pretty brutal week for me. Yeah, I think so. It was like 11 o'clock at night here when the race finally ended. I saw the kind of projected scores uh, on the live scoring that uh, some of our content creator fellows also have on their website so that was great and i was like okay wake up tomorrow morning with a nice healthy rank go to sleep eight hours later i'm like lewis and charles dn or dnf or dq and i was like oh my god so i did not do what you did you did the sensible thing by playing steady eddie i was just taking swings left and right those <laughs> three races i was just going for it i think i didn't have max for a couple of races i used my wild card in vegas it was Oh, it was all over the place. So quite a disastrous end to the season. But I will definitely have to remember that as 2024 rocks along. So let's get into kind of the meat of today's show. Uh, oh, also, favorite driver, favorite team? Favorite driver is Lewis and favorite team is Mercedes. And so nice. the history behind that is I was studying abroad in Melbourne in 2007. And there was a group of us that sort of did everything together. And they, my friends bought a bunch of tickets to albert park to see the grand prix and so i came along not really knowing what to expect and so my first ever formula one race was lewis hamilton's first race ever in f1 and he finished on the podium that day and having a rookie in his very first race land on the podium there was just this huge reception to it and i really just gravitated to lewis and the rest was history nice yes that is uh that's a great story i did not know the backstory behind that so glad to glad to know that so Today, a little bit, we're going to go through some previews, all that stuff, but I'm taking a little spin off your fantastic article that you give us every week, the things we learned. So what did we learn last year? Um, For me, I learned that the chips are very powerful. Like when they first introduced the game, they had six chips, but we're only going to play them once a year, kind of debating how powerful they're going to be. But I think the extra DRS boost, I used it in Austria. Do you remember when you used your extra drs boost at all Ooh, i think my might have been austria too thinking that that was a race that max would really dominate i usually yeah. suggest that people use the 3x chip on a sprint weekend because in four of the six sprints last year max scored 50 or more points and then the most points he scored all season he had 68 in belgium so i always recommend 3x chip link it to a sprint weekend Yes, great, great advice. But yeah, the chips were super powerful. I'm kind of interested to see what they are going to do this year, if they're going to switch it up, kind of keep things steady eddy. And then these last two points, I think you had the last one. I kind of, the early pricing. So last year, obviously, preseason testing, Aston Martin kind of came out of the gates firing. And then F1 Fantasy still priced them all the way down. We were kind of wondering if it was just a testing thing. Was Aston Martin just doing this for show? But it kind of... I don't want to say it made the game boring, but it made it predictable for the first six, seven races of the season where everyone was on pretty much triple Aston Martin, triple Red Bull. 
Yeah, that was such a disappointment. It took eight races until after Canada for the game to finally start adjusting the prices. And because they didn't get out in front of it and talk about what they were doing and the intent of not overreacting to the early races, they intend to adjust prices more later. They didn't give us any of that. So they lost a lot of players in those first eight weeks because they thought, okay, it's just the Fernando Alonso show for the season. This is boring. I'm going to quit. So I think if if they intend to wait a little bit this year, like they did last year, just a little message to us says, hey, we see you. We don't want to overreact. Don't worry. Pricing adjustments will come after we've got enough data to really prove that these price changes are for real. Yes. And eventually the swings did come in those pricings. I tried to sit down and figure it out. It seemed pretty like arbitrary race to race kind of what the prices were but if you had a good weekend you were probably going up a million 1.5 million that kind of thing so i think at the end of the day mclaren rose over 8 million over the course of a season and aston martin was up 6.7 million so hopefully the pricing this season could be closer to where they end up there will be swings obviously um but yeah like you said here capitalize on big shifts that's kind of the mclaren story from after austria they were the team to get on and we were all trying to kind of get on the triple mclaren triple red bull and i eventually did it and i wish i just stuck with that i'm not sure how you got there eventually but uh there were some chips you could use and stuff like that so after austria the game got a lot better in my opinion Oh, absolutely. And I'm on the same boat as you. I think it took me three or four races to jump on the McLaren train, but you can really plot the top players with when they were early adopters to McLaren. If they were in on them back at Silverstone when Lando got his first P2, and then I think he had a, a P2 right after that, not only were you netting a lot more points than those of us that were limping along with Fernando, but also you were getting those price gains at an early point of the season. So you had that points advantage, you had that cost cap advantage, and then really you were just you just had the upper hand for the rest of the year. So that was the first big shift for me. And then the second one, it was less noticeable, was that Alpha Tauri resurgence in the second half of the year. So they had more upgrades on the car than anyone else on the grid by a large margin. But it was when they put that RB19 rear suspension on, they had the adjustment on the floor. You really started to see Yuki and Daniel performing in ways that we hadn't before. And if you believed in them after some early season struggles and Daniel sitting out for a bit, you really took advantage of that in a big way. Yeah, that was a big swing at the end of the year, kind of if you were going on, if you had enough money to get up to Yuki or to Daniel Ricardo, that kind of helped out a lot of people towards the end of the season where we had all kind of gone back to a semi-meta lineup of like a couple of Red Bulls. Even a Ferrari was in there quite a bit. They they tried to love us again at the end of the season, but uh, that was kind of the things we learned from 2023, I would say. Uh, moving on here, so we've got some off-season notes. There has been some news. F1 didn't just totally shut down over the winter. Uh, I think it was after Abu Dhabi. There were rumors before, but immediately after Abu Dhabi, Logan Sargent has re-signed with Williams. Negative 17 points in F1 fantasy last year for our sole American representative on the grid. Uh, What do you think? Is he going to make it through his second full season or is he going to be under immediate pressure? It'll be interesting to see. So Logan had two big performances in the second half of last season. He had the P10 encoded to get his first career points and then a P11 in Brazil. So he's proving that he can have the pace when he wants it. He just has to keep his car on the track. And there was a stretch in the second half of the year that was really trying for him. 
he had uh, a non-classification in qualifying for Japan because he had a mental error and then he DNF'd that race. And then the next time out in Qatar, he had a spin out in the sprint to DNF and then he suffered from the heat stroke in the race. So he didn't finish that. So it was just four straight events of him not even making it to the checkered flag. These are the kinds of things that obviously hurt from a fantasy perspective, but make it really challenging to keep your seat. And when you consider that you have these young drivers like Drugovich, Porsche, doing looking to get on the grid for the first time, and then Schumacher and Liam Lawson trying to get back onto the grid, that seat's going to get hot right away if he's making these mental mistakes. Yeah, I totally agree. I think another thing that we could, things we learned from last year was, I hope they reduce the penalty for DNFs in F1 fantasy, maybe like up the up the hit penalty, take down the DNF penalty, because Logan Sargent had some brutal weekends for our F1 fantasy squad last weekend, especially that four-race stretch. I think maybe even started Zandvoort, where he was like kind of huddled on the side there in the rain. It was just like, oh, Logan, like kind of just want to give you a hug, but also you just cost me 20 points, so I'm not really sure what I want to do with you. That DNF penalty is brutal, and I think most of us in the F1 fantasy content creator space agree it should be no more than 10 points because I think it takes a little bit too much of the strategy out of it. It's very hard to prepare for DNFs when they do. They're so crippling. If you have a driver that DNFs that you also have the constructor for, it can really ruin a weekend. So I think 10 points is a nice balance between a nice penalty, but not something that would really ruin a good strategy. Yeah, I think that it would be fantastic. Uh, another piece of news that came out a couple of weeks ago, Gunther Steiner, Netflix's crown jewel in Drive to Survive. He is out at Haas. I'm not sure there's a lot of takeaways for F1 Fantasy to do here, but just changing leadership at Haas sounds like it's not, not, nothing's really going to change there. Like no sweeping changes. They will still operate as a lower level team, but uh, just maybe something to watch and testing, see if something different comes along. Any thoughts there? It's definitely worrying when you hear about a team principal getting ousted in the middle of the off season. It, it means there's clearly not a, f- a plan in place or a direction that's so bad that they had to pivot in the middle of the off season. I think, though, that Haas can only get better just because of how poorly they finished last year, dead last in the constructors. I think the area that could help is if Kevin Magnuson ups his game this year. He finished P19 in the Drivers' Championship, and if he had just scored five more points over the course of the year just to approach where Hulkenberg ended, the, uh, Haas would have finished ahead of Alfa Romeo in the Constructors. And that alone is meaningful if you can just move up that one spot in the standings. So I think just a little bit of improvement from KMAG, a little bit more reliability from the car. I think that's kind of agnostic of who the, the team principal is. I think Haas is capable of it. Yeah, I, I think we would all agree where it's really their performances on Sunday are where it needs to improve because... <clears throat> They had some fly-in performances on Saturdays in qualifying, but then just Sunday they would just sink like a rock through the field, which was very unfortunate. But bringing us on to more driver chaos, I think it was it first popped up my radar a few weeks ago when I saw a TikTok about how crazy silly season is going to be this year. But yes, yeah, silly season madness. 15 drivers are about to be out of contract at the end of 2024. Uh, I, it's crazy how much movement there could be. I think a couple of seasons ago when Fernando Alonso kind of kicked off that whole thing, uh, with him going to Aston Martin, I thought that was insane, 
but this has the potential to be like i don't i, I don't do like emergency streams or anything talking about but it might have to come up this season because there's going to be a lot of content around just stuff off the track um red bull for like ev almost every team on here could be affected by a driver's change do you have any predictions or any thoughts about what this could do to our f1 fantasy teams throughout the season well i think you hit the nail on the head that this is going to be the silliest silly season of all time i i think there's going to be some chain reaction like with the Fernando Alonso events where once you have maybe the last Red Bull seat filled or those two Ferrari seats filled, a lot of other things will start to fall into place. So I think you could have a very news packed week once one of those signings happens. As far as predictions for me, I'll take the low hanging fruit that the racing bulls will probably promote either Ricardo or Sonoda to that second Red Bull seat. The writing's been on the wall for a while for poor Checo that he probably doesn't have a long-term future with Red Bull. And then they're so eager to get Liam Lawson back on the grid. I think just sliding him back into that racing bull seat and then promoting one of the existing drivers seems like the most obvious pairing for me, but it's a long season. Who knows what'll happen? Once again, Adam, you are just being the sensible prediction. It's probably going to be the right one. My predictions are a little bit more out there. I've got Yuki Sonoda going to Aston Martin. I think one of those guys are going to lose their seat or, well, I'm not sure if dad is going to get mad or if Fernando is going to kind of be like, this team's not working and try to go another place. But uh, I think there's a Sonoda Honda connection there that could be viable at the end of the 2024 season. And then if that wasn't a big enough swing, I'm going with Carlos Sainz is going back to Red Bull and replacing Checo Perez in that second seat. Ferrari, it's kind of clear to me that I think Sainz believes he can be a 1A driver. Does that make sense, him going behind Max Verstappen? I don't think so, but he might just be done with the Ferrari model, and he might just want race wins at this point in his career. Maybe he can't get the driver's championship that he ultimately wants, but getting in a Red Bull better car than Ferrari as right now. So maybe that will be enough to get uh, signs in there. I, I, I think that's a little too crazy, but it's just, it's something that I had in my head. That's actually not too nuts because I've been thinking about the Ferrari situation and both sides have some leverage on one another. Carlos and Charles have both won races in this car. They're really starting to make connections with the team and it's a very safe path to being a top constructor for the next few years. So I think Ferrari would want to invest in those drivers. So Charles and Carlos have some leverage on the salary there. But then on the flip side, Ferrari knows that there's really only one seat on the grid that that is a better position for points and wins than the seats that they're in now. So what are they going to do? Are they going to go to Alpine? Are they going to go to Haas or Williams? No. So they they both sides have this leverage on one another. And if nobody blinks and Red Bull makes the right phone call at the right time, something crazy could happen like that. So I don't think it's totally out of the question. Yeah, well, maybe we'll, when we do this this time next year, we'll see how uh, crazy it ended up being. But yeah, there's going to be tons of driver movement. Uh, like you were mentioned before, there's a lot of young drivers coming up through the programs that also want to see. So just because there's 15 drivers out of a contract doesn't mean they're all going to be on the 2025 grid for us there. Here is the F1 calendar. This has been in the works for a while, obviously. But the first thing I noticed when I kind of studied it before the show this morning is three triple headers. That's going to be quite a headache for us on the content creation side. But it will be tons of fun and have 
plenty of potential to make up ground in F1 fantasy if you struggle at the beginning of the season or if you want to make huge gains in the second half. I'm not looking forward to the triple headers. Obviously, it's going to be a lot of work for us to, to get the right content out for our, our viewers. But also, I'm excited that they're finally inching toward true regionalization of the calendar. And so it's such a an environmentally damaging operation to go corner to corner of the world every week. So I'm glad that F1 are just moving a little bit closer to something that's sustainable. So I'll take I'll take some solace in that. Yeah, I'm also looking forward to seeing China back on the grid. It's been a long time since we've been, gone back to Shanghai. But uh, yeah, and Suzuka early in the year, that will be quite curious as well. I'm not sure what the regular weather is like in uh japan that time of year compared to their usual september october races where uh they can get some wet races so we'll see what goes on there uh moving over to our predictions for 2024 so i could have re revealed these all one at a time made it more dramatic but i'm not that skilled in my google slides making so i'll let you kick things off with one of your predictions here Oh boy, where do I want to start? I'll start at the bottom here. So I think the F1 fantasy game has been growing so much over these last few years that 2024 is the year that we crack 3 million teams. 2022 finished with 1.6 million. We finished last year between 2.4 and 2.5 million. So this growth of, you know, 33 to 50% year over year is huge for anything. And so I think we make that big jump to get over 3 million users this year and really get at the credibility it needs. Yeah, I think a big thing for that would be if they can get the pricing right, like, and maybe have people around a lot more. Maybe we can get people to join the game later in the season because F1 loves to kind of launch these leagues later in the year. Like when the first street race comes along, they'll do a street league. So you don't have to be out of it. You might not be able to make up ground in like the overall ranking or anything like that, but you can win this street circuit league or something like that. So if the pricing can be good that would be a great help to get to that three million mark i'll go next here i hope this it's more of a hope than a prediction but i want the beat teammate points to return because <clears throat> that was one of the best aspects of the 2022 game when uh play on was operating it i believe uh they kind of did away with that last season but if they bring that back i think it would really add something to the game like not that Max Verstappen needs any more route to points, but it would maybe make Checo a little bit of a worse option and we'd be able to think about maybe getting Lewis if he gets that little bit of a boost in his points total compared to like beating George, whereas without beat teammate points, it's like just get the best drivers available. And I really like what it would do to the bottom of the grid. I think this year with the budget drivers, it was stay on the track or get knocked out in Q1 and use the overtake points to build over the course of the race on Sunday. Beat teammates points gives you something to really look forward to, something that's positive during the race. Um, you yeah. have a lot of these teammate battles late in the races, sometimes late in the season too. I think that would just give us a nice little shot in the arm for those those budget drivers. Yeah, I did, I, I did like a lot of what they did with the game last year, but it was very strange hoping that your budget driver would get knocked out in Q1. That felt a little bit weird for a fantasy game, like cheering for a bad result. But I mean, it is what it is. But uh, here, what's your second prediction for 2024? My second prediction is that racing bulls are going to be that early season darling like Aston Martin was last year. 
And the news continues to come out about how they're inching that car closer and closer to the RB19. Now they're taking the front suspension from that car. And there are some other developments in the works that they've hinted at too. I think Yuki and Daniel are going to be contending for points right out of the gate. And so if the game prices them as, you know, bottom quarter of the grid drivers, they're going to really outperform that in the early part of the season. Yes. Uh, I wonder if they'll be using the Visa, Visa Cash app to be paying for those upgrades. I guess we will find out uh, when preseason testing comes along, which is just like one month away. It's kind of I was super happy that you could get on the show uh, and get we could get this out because it's almost one month to preseason testing. Uh, but my 2024 prediction, my last one is that four teams are going to win a race. I'm not sure if that's crazier than Carlos Sainz being in a Red Bull seat next year, but uh, that's where I'm going. I think I think my boys McLaren can steal one, hopefully. But Mercedes can't go three years in a row. With, well, they got the win in Brazil, but they can't like they can't be this bad for a third straight season, right? They mustn't. And I think there are a few small things that will start building them closer to a race winning team. I think the extension for James Allison is going to be really important and getting the technical direction right, right out of the gate for Mercedes is going to be huge. In 2022, they really struggled with the porpoising in a way that nobody else did. Last year, they came out of the gate with no side pods in a way that nobody else did. So I think they need to come out with a car that is competitive immediately. And so they can build off of that towards a race win. And then I think it's possible for four teams to win a race. If you consider Red Bull, Ferrari, McLaren, and Mercedes all capable of winning, I think that's that's totally in the cards. And part of that, too, is because Max didn't DNF a single race last year. And I know that for an elite driver, mental mistakes are few and far between. But for the car to hold up every single race like that, it's a pretty rare feat. So all you need is that one reliability failure for Max. That means it's either Checo or the field. So I think that's how we can get some of these new teams winning races. Yeah, I mean, Max started off the 2022 season with two DNFs in the first three races, I believe. And I think it was your co-host, Rob, that last year jinxed Lando Norris going into Vegas. Uh, I think I, I was watching one of your shows earlier this week, and uh, he said, yeah, like two drivers had never not DNF'd for a whole season. And then that next race, Lando, bam, like right in the wall. So he has a way of doing that. Yeah, we definitely had a good laugh over it um, on the side after he jinxed Lando. Um, and, and it would be interesting, like you mentioned, Bahrain, it was the double Red Bull DNF two years ago. So I think that those sorts of things are possible. And that'll open things up to new winners. Let me ask you, when you say four teams win a race, would that include a sprint? So would Piastri's sprint win last year count as a new team? Or do we want proper Grand Prix wins? I think for, I mean, ask me in like nine months to see. Uh, but I think right now I'll say it has to be a Grand Prix. Like that's what I would say. Uh, but, if, but at the end of the year, there's been four teams that win a sprint or whatever. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take the W on that one as well. But Fantastic. yeah, I would think uh, the big Sunday race or Saturday race because we have three Saturday races this year, right? The first two races are on Saturday uh, right. and then Vegas will be on a Saturday as well. But yes, one month for preseason testing. I cannot believe it. I can't believe we're already here. Uh, I'm kind of getting revved up. I'm in the middle of like fantasy football content, fantasy Premier League content as well. But I'm definitely ready for F1 fantasy to come back into our lives. But before I let you go, Adam, just let everybody know where they can find you, where they can read you and what your plans are for the next month before the season really gets up and running. 
Absolutely. So F1FantasyHQ.com will be back next month with an all-new strategy guide. It's going to include articles on how to play the game, some funny team names. I have an interview with the P2 finisher in the whole world from 2023, and then some data breakdowns of last season's results. Of course, the Fantasy Formula is going to be back on YouTube every Wednesday of race week and one hour before qualifying for our live show. And right now, our friends at FanAmp are hosting an F1 family feud. So they surveyed hundreds of F1 fans and have put their creator teams up against each other in a knockout style family feud tournament. And so those are streaming now on YouTube. My second round matchup just aired yesterday. So go check that out too. I have already watched it. I I don't want to give it away what happened. Uh, it was it was tough. It was tough. It, was, it all came down to like the final round. So it's definitely very, very exciting to watch. Uh, but I would just want to thank you again for coming on, Adam. Uh, I'm sure we will be tweeting at each other through the preseason. And uh, yeah, definitely make sure to check out F1 Fantasy HQ. He is actually the one guy in the F1 community who I have my Twitter notifications turned on for because he is on it like that. So I would highly thank recommend you. that. Yes, of course, of course. But yeah, definitely follow him on there. You can follow me on X at unfpl i changed my handle over the off season but still backup fantasy sports on youtube but give the video a like and subscribe make sure to check out the fantasy formula as well as they do fantastic work but once again thanks for watching and i will talk to you next time mm-hmm.